Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers. This is your host, Ralph Velasco. Unfortunately, Ugo can't be with us as we are on very different time zones. And I uh, have a good friend of mine and fellow uh, tour leader, Carl Grobel. You've probably heard of him. And he and I are both in the same country. We're both in Cambodia. Carl lives here in Siem Reap, and I'll let you tell more about that, but I happen to be in Kep, Cambodia. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you, Ralph. Good to see you again, and uh, why don't you uh, give our listeners just uh, some background about yourself and your photography and uh, how you came to be where you're at. Okay, well, very good, Ralph. Um, I am a photographer and a tour leader and uh, a photojournalist, and I've been living in Cambodia on and off since the mid 2000s, uh, permanently since 2013. I use uh, Cambodia as a base for me because I am involved in um, NGO photography and tours and workshops uh, strictly in Southeast Asia. So it's a great place for me to be. And I spend most of my time uh, doing photo tours these days. In the past, I had worked uh, as a photojournalist for a couple of different newspapers, and I did an extensive amount of work shooting for non-government organizations. Um, but that part of my business is sort of tailed off, and now I'm pretty much busy all year uh, leading photography tours and workshops. Yeah, and uh, you work with uh, Jim Klein, who I also lead a few tours for. You 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 lead exclusively for Jim, right? Exactly. Yes, I do. Yeah, you work with him. And uh, so just give us a quick rundown of some of the trips that you, uh, places that you go to, because you go to some uh, some fairly exotic locations. And we happened to run into each other just uh, maybe a month ago in Jodhpur, India, when we were both leading India trips. So what are some of the other destinations that you go to? Uh, well, Jim, um, as uh, as you mentioned, uh, is uh, Jim Klein Photo Tours, the company. He and I work together and we have for over a decade. So Jim uh, predominantly leads tours in South America and Latin America. So he does uh, Baja California, he does Mexico, he does Guatemala. Um, and I take care of everything in terms of the uh, Asian opportunities. So we have Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the Philippines, Vietnam, uh, Myanmar, uh, Sri Lanka, um, India, Nepal, and uh, Papua New Guinea, which isn't really Asia anymore, but uh, that's a new area of exploration for us. And then, as you mentioned, uh, just so the listeners understand that uh, you've led trips for us, uh, or for Jim Klein photo tours um, to various parts of Europe. Okay. Which 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 were your trips, Ralph? Yeah, so I currently do Romania. We have a rustic and rural Romania trip. Uh, I've also done Turkey, Central Europe, uh, the highlights of the Adriatic, and these are trips that we bring back periodically. We kind of rotate them uh, in and out, and so this next year, 2018, I'll be doing. 
uh, the Romania trip again. And uh, so I've uh, really enjoyed working with uh, both you and Jim. And we've had Jim on the show uh, uh, several episodes ago, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But, uh, again, Jim Klein. And uh, so tell us uh, a little bit about uh, working for NGOs and, and, and that. You say it's uh, tailing off a little bit of your business, but uh, I think some of our listeners would be very interested in, in that, uh, that part of your business. Uh, well, it kind of starts back uh, in the early 2000s when I had sort of a midlife career change and I stopped working in the uh, medical sales uh, arena and started doing photography for humanitarian aid organizations. And, and, and my connections in the medical industry are what led me to this opportunity to shoot for different uh, aid organizations. So in the early 2000s, um, I was shooting um, you know, disaster relief operations, community development uh, operations, um, predominantly the activities of different aid organizations. And I was traveling extensively um, around the world. I did South America, Central America, Africa, um, and, and a few other places. And, and so after a while, um, that just became as a, a sort of a very difficult line of work to be in. You're trying to um, move around the world uh, from job to job to job, and it's an exciting and very fulfilling uh, career. But as I started to do more photography tours, I found that my schedule was sort of booked up for particular tours, maybe a year or a year and a half out. So I wasn't able to be as uh, reactive to the needs of some of my clients. So all I did was I reduced the number of NGOs that I was working for uh, so that they were only my most um, my largest, shall we say, and my most loyal clients. And then I sort of further reduced that whole activity just to Asia uh, so that I didn't um, have to travel so far. So um, it, it was, uh, it, it still is. It's a very interesting line of work, as you might imagine. You get intimate access to social issues and programs, fascinating things. I, I covered tsunamis and um uh, uh, health epidemics around the world in Haiti. I've covered things like human trafficking and the HIV uh, response by the uh, non-government organizations in in Asia. So it's a fascinating line of work. Um, but as one gets a little bit older, I think uh, we start to look at um, things that are a little bit more stable, uh, perhaps a little more predictable, and and probably a little less uh, dangerous. Yeah, I think I, I first uh, heard about you when didn't you cover was it the 2004 tsunami here in Asia? Yes, yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, and you did uh, some amazing work there, and we'll put up links and and samples of your of your work, which is really fantastic. Um, I, I know it's it sounds like it's so glamorous to be traveling all over the world, South America, Asia. And uh, Africa, et cetera, but uh, that's that's it's kind of a young man's uh, <laughs> job to be able to travel around that much, which I'm sure you were doing quite a bit at the time at your height, huh? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even way back when there was, you know, inklings in my own mind that, you know, maybe I wanted to get into conflict photography. Um, but really, that's the realm of uh, younger people who are maybe a little uh, um, more adventurous, shall we say. 
and 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 so it's uh it's it's a it's a career choice that's not for everyone and and i stand in awe of those people who can do it year after year um and and a lot of times when i was working for aid agencies specifically in situations that were health crises or um, natural disasters. People would always ask me, you know, you know, isn't that depressing? Isn't that difficult? Isn't that uh, taxing on your uh, on your emotional side? And uh, and one might assume that. But what I found was that that when you were working with aid agencies and seeing the uh, response to a disaster, it was the exact opposite. It was a very um, encouraging and inspiring environment in which to photograph. Now, obviously, uh, there were people who were affected by these disasters. There was the emotion of that, but it was sort of um, not overshadowed, but perhaps balanced by this idea that people were coming from around the world to assist those who had been affected by whatever that uh, problem or disaster was. So it was, it was and is very... Um, inspiring kind of work that makes so much sense because that's kind of you know what i think the first initial reaction is is that oh boy it must be so depressing but i guess when you're there and you see that something's actually being done about it and uh you know you're witnessing that that's got to be inspiring it is at the same time uh, yeah it's, it's an interesting point and I think it sort of carries over into, you know, the kind of work that you and I do right now, which is bringing people to developing countries on photography tours and workshops. Um, a lot of times um, people will come to a developing country and they'll be focusing on and they'll be feeling uh, emotional about some of the situations in which people live. Um, and it's, you know, our opportunity, our, our job, if you will, to help the, the people on photography tours and workshops interact with locals so that they can understand, uh, another person's life. Because, um, living in Cambodia is an example. I mean, when I go downtown to, um, purchase groceries, I'm, I'm going to run into landmine victims, street children, people who are living in conditions that to me might seem very, very difficult. And in many cases, those conditions and the people are living difficult lives. But on the other side, uh, when you spend the time to meet people and talk to people and find out a little bit about your their lives, what you find out is is that despite the fact that they don't have a lot of things, they are gen generally and genuinely happy. In Cambodia, as you know, is a place where everybody smiles. You can go out if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down. All you need to do is go down to the central market and buy some groceries because everybody you meet down there has got a smile on their face. So, and this is not the case in all areas of the world, but certainly in um, areas where you travel, where I travel, it's an opportunity for us to kind of show the best things about a country that is developing. Maybe they don't have the latest technologies. Maybe they don't have the greatest infrastructure, but they have the same sort of goals and desires and needs that you and I have. It's just on a different uh, on a different playing field. Yeah, and I think oftentimes our first reaction uh, is, you know, we want to fix it. And 
you know, it doesn't necessarily need fixing and we're not there to fix it. You know, we're there to learn about it, try to understand it. And that's kind of what I try to get across to my people is, you know, we're, we're here to, to meet the people in their homes, in their places of businesses and learn how other folks live. And they don't necessarily want to be like us or, you know, they, they don't, you know, somehow aspire to, to be like Americans necessarily or Westerners. They've got their own lives. And like you say, they're, they, they can be very, very happy with, with where they're at. Right. And they're genuinely uh, interested in foreigners as we are in them. And as long as uh, photo tour guests uh, interact uh, with the locals at uh, in a relationship, which is sort of, hey, I've come from across the world and, and I've got a camera and boy, I'd really like to take a picture of you working in your market stall selling bananas. Um, and uh, if if one takes a little bit of time to just make a personal connection and perhaps through a through a translator, ask a simple question uh, of the person that you're interested in and want to photograph, then this mini relationship begins to to develop. And it may only last for a minute, uh, but that person then feels like, oh, here's somebody who's interested in me as a person, not so much me as a photo subject. Yeah, and I'm sure you get that question all the time. You you photograph uh, a lot of people and – what is your approach to getting those kind of intimate photographs that you're you're getting? And I know you you kind of just touched on it right there, but uh, do you have some other tips for people that are, are photographing the locals? Right. Well, I, I think uh, first of all, not leading in with the camera is uh, is a good practice. Uh, and then what should be going on, or what might be best to be thinking is. If I was that other person, if I was the person working in the market or I was a blacksmith, you know, working on a piece of metal or something and someone came up to me, how would I like to be approached? How would I like to make first contact with this person? And if you keep that in the back of your mind, um, then generally, uh, since people, you know, have the same sort of feelings no matter where you are in the world, um, then you have a much greater chance of getting a photograph that speaks to, you know, something, an interaction that is uh, friendly and um, the other person uh, is okay or interested back in, in, in the photographer. So rather than sort of going through a country with a 70 to 200 standing back and, and, and doing voyeuristic type images, which are in and of themselves a completely different look. And there's nothing wrong with that type of thing. Uh, but I think travel photographers um, are interested not only making photographs, but making connections with the people that they visit in these countries, because then they go back to wherever they live they post images on social media perhaps they have their own blog and what they're doing is they're imparting information that other people can take a look at evaluate and experience travel through somebody else so it's like each person on a photo tour is like a little uh ambassador you know and 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 they bring with them a little piece of wherever they live uh whether they're australians or new zealanders or americans um and it's an opportunity for uh, those people to show what 
a, a person from that country is like, and uh, if if we have a nice interaction, uh, and and if people from Cambodia see that um, you know, hey, these American people are really friendly, then that's good. Um, if they see that Australians are very you know uh, gregarious, then that's how they perceive, right? But if we have a bad interaction, if we're not good ambassadors of our own countries, then it leaves a bad taste in in the mouths of the people that we visit i mean how many times have you gone to some country um name any country in the world you get to the airport you're really tired you get off the airplane you get your bags and the first interaction you have is with a uh person who's going to transport you now that might be a taxi driver or a moto driver or somebody like that and if that interaction is positive then you you begin your trip with uh, a positive experience and a positive attitude. But if you're fighting over the bill with your cab driver or your moto driver and the first day you get there, you're automatically starting off on the wrong foot. And so the reverse of that is every interaction that um, a tour guest on your trips or my trips or gym trips you know, should have should always be very positive. We don't want to start off the trip and we don't want to have interactions with people, um, you know, where they're feeling negative. So if somebody, you know, you happen to pick your camera up, smile at somebody. And as you start to take a picture, they wave you off. Then by all means, yeah, put the camera back down, gesture to them. Okay, great. There's plenty of photo opportunities in every country around the world. You needn't uh, focus on someone who maybe is having a bad day, doesn't want the picture taken. You can find someone else to interact with. Yeah, no, that that makes uh, complete sense, and uh, it I, I like that idea of every person being an ambassador of their home country because the people that are the locals are making as much of a, a sort of a judgment of us as as we sort of are of them. If you know, if I could use that's kind of a harsh word, but uh, you know, the idea that they're they're making some sort of a, a mental judgment of us and, and generalizing just kind of like we do. It's just human nature, like you say, anywhere in the world. Um, and I think that you talk about using that. You could go around with that 70 to 200 and shoot from across the street, but using wider angle lenses, like I know you do, that forces you, if you want to fill the frame, to get in close with your subjects and to have that interaction. You can't help but have an interaction uh, with those people when you when you have to get that close. Am I right? Yeah, sure. Uh, yes, I do uh, use a wide-angle lens a lot. I try to get up close to my subjects and make them big and prominent in the photograph. So whether my subject is a person or whether my subject is uh, bananas, I try to use the wide angle lens, get up close and make uh, images that are sort of uh, clean and simple, but uh, as impactful as possible. So, for example, there's somebody selling bananas at the local market in, in, in Sri Lanka. I'm going to get up really close to the bananas and make them big and prominent with the wide lens and then maybe use a shallow depth of field and show the vendor in the background. So uh, there's a visual connection between the two now. Uh, to go back to that wide, uh, excuse me, to the telephoto lens, that's another opportunity to stand back and, and make completely different photos. Again, they're not right or wrong. They're just different. I don't know if you're a fan of um, Coen Brothers films, uh, but if you look at the way the Coen Brothers put a scene together, 
um, as compared to somebody else. You have a conversation between two people. Most uh, filmmakers will shoot an over-the-shoulder shot of the person talking, an over-shoulder shot of the person listening, and they go back and forth in the conversation as though you were a person looking at that conversation from the outside and viewing it and hearing it. Okay, The Coen brothers, they take the camera and they put it between the two people who are talking, and they and they photograph and film from the inside. So now you're stuck in the middle of the conversation. And they are genius at making you feel happy, sad, uncomfortable, because you're stuck in the middle of that conversation. You're up close and personal. And much like uh, you know, a, a filmmaker will choose uh, a lens to make a film feel a certain way and have a certain uh, impact upon you, Still, photography is exactly the same. So I encourage people to try both long lenses and wide lenses and shoot a variety of shots and then go back and look at them and, and say, now, how does this picture make me feel? And what am I trying to impart uh, in this rectangle, this two-dimensional image? And, and lens selection has a huge um, capacity to make our images uh, express or feel a certain way. Yeah, and you can also, yeah. you know, use that longer lens to compress the scene. Um, you, with that, when you're talking about that wider angle and you're photographing those bananas and that vendor, are you, uh, at times focusing on the bananas, blurring out the vendor and then immediately focusing on the vendor and blurring out the bananas to get two, you know, to get two looks? Or do you, do you not even bother with that second shot? No, good point. I would typically stay on a particular subject and work a composition uh, in in a number of different shots with different angles, with different uh, apertures, so that in the when the time comes to put together that blog post or uh, you know make a, a, a Flickr book or whatever you're going to do, that you have the option to change. Uh, and say, well, this one looks a little bit better. So, uh, again, it goes back to this idea that making a relationship with somebody in your photograph uh, is is a really good thing. So, um, I will encourage, as you probably do, your participants to, when they find a, a beautiful subject or an interesting face or a vendor that's willing to have their photograph taken and is willing to work with the photographer, to to then go a little bit deeper, spend a little bit more time, work the shot, work a number of different shots. Uh, there's no reason to click a photo and move to the next and click a photo and move to the next and click a photo and move to the next. I think it's much more productive uh, and you do a much better job of telling a visual story if you spend more time with fewer subjects. That's why photography tours are so much, so different than your typical photo tour that's just you know, coming to see uh, the temple or the market or whatever. They move very rapidly. Photo tours move very slowly. We may stop at a tea shop in India, or you may probably went to the spice market. We go to the spice market in Delhi, and I say, okay, guys and gals, we're going to spend an hour in this one-block area. And a lot of times we come back from having spent an hour in the spice market and people are like, well, we need more time. We need more time because they really want to get uh, get the story and get more than just a snapshot of the spice market. 
Yeah, and I'm sure you get this too, but uh, my people will often say, you know, they're standing in front of some sort of a subject or scene and they'll say, Ralph, how would you photograph this? And I think they're looking for one specific answer, you know, and I say I would probably photograph it 10 or 12 different ways, uh, you know, and, and certainly get that landscape version and then immediately turn the camera 90 degrees. They all work that way and get that vertical version as well, because like you say, if you're doing a particular book layout or something for your website or a blog post, you may need that vertical version. And instead of cr trying to crop in on a landscape version, losing all those pixels, et cetera, you just get a different feel for it. And, and you can do that very quickly or you could, you could spend a lot of time and do it. But, um, I, I like that approach. Um, but sometimes people think they just need to go there, get that one postcard shot and move on. And there's so many different ways to photograph the same scene. And then there's, you've got that, let's say that big landscape that there may be 10 or 12, you know, smaller photo opportunities within that from the exact same, you know, place that you're standing. Mm -hmm. So looking deeper into the scene for other photo opportunities. And, and paying close attention to the background. Um, oh, for sure. A lot of times uh, the most compelling things that a person sees when they arrive at a location that's exotic and different from their from their own environment is they see something that really grabs their attention and they photograph it, uh, whether it's a person. Let's say, for example, that it's a person um, and try to encourage people to evaluate the background uh, and then determine whether or not that compelling and interesting subject is is going to make a good photograph uh, because the background in most cases makes or breaks the photograph and um, assuming that this thing or person you want to take a picture of is approachable from multiple angles um, uh, one has to explore the the image and the subject of that image and understand how it relates to the background not only how it relates to the background in terms of what the background story can tell about the person or thing that you're photographing but also how the lighting uh, of the background influences the picture for and and the, i guess the most simplistic version of that would be that you would typically like to put your subject on a background that's uh, darker than the subject and very simple so as not to get a situation where the background is competing with the subject. And that's where the wide angle lens is probably more difficult than the telephoto. With a telephoto, you isolate your subject because of the tight framing, number one. Uh, a telephoto tends to compress things together and has, uh, visually speaking, what appears to be a shallower depth of field. And certainly if one shoots a 70 to 200 lens at 200 millimeters at f2.8, um, you won't even have focus carrying from a person's tip of their nose to the to their ear. Um, the depth of field is so shallow, and that's a powerful thing to isolate your subject. So I think it's easier, perhaps, uh, to handle a telephoto lens than it is to handle a wide lens. Um, uh, and there, again, they're two separate 
animals altogether, and people should explore both the telephoto aspects of uh, putting together an image and, and, and a subject, and then explore that same subject with a wide lens. A lot of times what will happen is I'm in a spice market or something, and I go up and I start with a wide-angle lens, and then before I leave the subject, I may explore it with a telephoto as well. Yeah, uh, and I, I have these uh, three main tips that I give my participants, which tend to be more beginner to intermediate photographers, and that is, number one, be aware of your backgrounds, and like you say, uh, manipulating that scene, moving around your subject can change the background in relation to the, to the, to the subject, and provide a less busy background, one where, you know, they're not, don't have that proverbial telephone pole coming out of their head, things like that. But we get sometimes too excited about, you know, this wonderful subject and all we see is them. We just like hyper focus in on them and don't even think about what's going on behind or in front of them. And right. that can really make the difference between a good shot and a much better shot. Uh, also, you touched on it is being aware of the quality and direction of light and how it's falling on your subject. And if you can move around your subject to, to get a different uh, direction or quality of light, or even if you can move your subject in some cases, um, which I try not to do too much, but in some cases you can. Uh, and then just telling the story, just getting that variety of images and coming back with a set of images that tells a story. Those are my kind of three main tips at our, at our initial meet and greet when I get Very together good. with the group. Indeed, very good advice. Man. Yeah, and, and so basic and so easy to do. Anyone can do it at any level with any type of gear, and, you know, and that's the key, I think. Um, we had uh, mentioned uh, before we even started, uh, and, and you had did mention that you, you lead trips to Sri Lanka, and I'm going to be heading to Sri Lanka as of uh, this date that we're recording uh, very soon. Uh, so um, I'm just going there to kind of, uh, do a little bit of uh, relaxing and get some work done. But uh, tell us, uh, I know you've got, you do trips to Sri Lanka. Tell us a little bit about the country and uh, what I might expect, because I've never been. Ah, well, Sri Lanka is one of the most beautiful places uh, to visit. It's um, it's exotic, shall we say. It's uh, I, I guess I could best describe Sri Lanka as sort of india light or India for beginners. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a place that's not overwhelming, uh, for the most part. You can find high density, you know, chaotic, uh, it, things that I love, high density, chaotic markets, uh, <laughs> areas like that. Um, but, but Sri Lanka tends to move at a slower pace. Uh, it tends to feel less populated. Uh, but it is uh, a beautiful place with super friendly people. Uh, the first time I went there was for the uh, tsunami mm. in uh, 2005. Um, and I have seen Sri Lanka at you know its most difficult times. And then I was in Sri Lanka earlier this year. Um, and it has rebounded. And uh, the people there are, shall we say, you know, back to their normal lives a decade later. Uh, and so it's a, it's a wonderful place to visit. There's a uh, great diversity. Colombo uh, is a very clean city. 
it's a large metropolis. Uh, there are areas in the old section of town which are absolutely beautiful. The Peta Market and the area around the Peta Market uh, has fabulous architecture, great markets, uh, wholesale markets, activity. Uh, you go down the coast to Gaul, where there's a Portuguese fort. There's beautiful coastline. You have the quintessential um, Sri Lankan pole fishermen sitting out there uh, in the surf, fishing from the poles. Where's, have, excuse me, where's that, Carl? Is that outside of Gaul? Yeah, the uh, the famous the, the pole fishermen made made famous predominantly by Steve McCurry's images uh, of them. Uh, those uh, are down in Wellagama. Uh, start to see you start to see the pole fishermen around Gaul, uh, and then uh, along the coast all the way down to Hikadua. So there's about a I don't know 60 mile section of the coastline where you'll be able to find the uh, stilt stilt fishermen, the pole stilt fishermen, and and some of them they're there uh, sort of ready to have their pictures taken by passing uh, buses with uh, you know camera toting foreigners such as uh, such as us uh, and there are other areas where there's you can visit the stilt fishermen where they're not involved in having their pictures taken by uh, passing foreigners but they're out there actually doing the fishing and and just uh, to back up a second uh, for those folks who aren't familiar with even where Sri Lanka is it's just off the southeast coast of India it's the former Ceylon and it's a it's a very big island, and right now we're talking about Colombo, the capital, which is sort of in the southwestern part, and then kind of heading down the coast to Gaul in this area, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So Colombo is the largest city um, south of Colombo. There's this uh, town of Gaul, which has got the, the fort, the Portuguese fort, and some history around it. Then you've got the, the coastal area, which is beautiful, some really nice beaches down there. Um, as you're heading around the tip at the bottom, you're going to run into some elephant sanctuaries and wildlife sanctuaries. Uh, and then from there, you can head up uh, to the central part of the country where you're going to visit tea plantations and see the uh, beautiful city of Kandy, where they have a, a festival of the tooth. Um, a Buddhist festival of the tooth, and they have uh, adorned uh, elephants on parade. Uh, those are the most popular areas for you know uh, tourists, but the areas to the very north are now opening up. I was also in Sri Lanka uh, photographing for uh, the Asia Foundation covering the uh, post-war, post-conflict uh, reconstruction efforts um, up in Jaffna, so uh, that's a now that's an area that at one time w- was off limits for travel. Mm-hmm. It was a very safe place, but now things have changed, and people are actually starting to go up to Jaffna and uh, explore the north and um, east northeast coast of Sri Lanka. It's uh, it would be more for the adventurous traveler, mm-hmm. maybe this the second timer to Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds amazing. These are some great tips for me. I will be uh, looking at these to uh, add to to my trip there. I think I'll be there for a couple of weeks. And uh, wonderful, just kind of a stopover on the way back to the U.S. from Cambodia, which I will have been here for about a month. 
uh, including a two-week trip with a group and two weeks on my own doing some additional scouting, getting some uh, other work done. So what uh, I know you sell out your trips a year or more in advance, but what are some of the trips that you have coming up that maybe you've got some space on that you'd like to tell our listeners about? If any, well, <laughs> that have space. <laughs> uh, I think we've got a few open spots on uh, our our Ladakh trip in July, uh, which is an amazing experience. Um, Ladakh is, uh, as you know, northern India, sort of that uh, high, dusty Tibetan plateau with dramatic mountains at high. Uh, and these monasteries stuck on the side of a mountain in a high altitude uh, environment, really, really beautiful, a little bit remote. The tourist infrastructure there is, you know, fairly decent, but one shouldn't expect luxury hotels up there. Um, so get some space available on that. And I believe uh, beyond that, Papua New Guinea is sold out. Tribal Myanmar is uh, sold out. The, um, uh, Trying to think here, Ralph. <laughs> Sri Lanka. In it's a good problem. <laughs> Sri Lanka, 2019 in March. That's a good one. And, and you might uh, encourage listeners to scoot on over to the Jim Klein Photo Tours website because all of our trips are listed there. And I think we, Jim may have some openings. I know he's got some stuff going on in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got trips to Peru. And uh, actually, a new one we've got uh, is uh, Colombia. Have you been down to Colombia, Ralph? I have not. Uh, it's a, it's definitely high on my list. It is. Have you gone down there? I have not uh, not for tourist purposes, but I was uh, working some NGO jobs down there. Um, the Pan American Development Foundation was uh, developing a program to help uh, farmers that were growing coca uh, to switch to non illicit crops, and it was a fascinating experience because you have these farmers that were growing coca for for making uh, drugs cocaine uh, who were trying to be enticed to grow something else mm-hmm. uh, cacao for example but they were under tremendous pressure from the drug cartels you know and I mean tremendous pressure it was like you grow coca or you you know mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. and so well, um, I was down there photographing down in Medellin and Cali and stuff, and it was uh, it was exciting because uh, journalists running around with big lenses down there were not uh, overly welcome. <laughs> but let me tell you this: the situation down there has changed drastically, and it is an absolutely beautiful country with uh, uh, great photo opportunities, fantastic food, people that are super friendly. Uh, and landscapes uh, that would rival, you know, anything uh, in the rest of the world. Medellin, which was, you know, sort of the drug capital at the time of uh, Pablo Escobar and so forth, uh, is a tremendously beautiful city. It's sort of like, uh, sort of like San Diego. You've got these uh, canyons and hillsides with beautiful homes, and it's lush green and so forth. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, more touristy areas of uh, uh, Colombia. Uh, there's a coastal city, Cartagena, which is, uh, you know, sort of the old Spanish colonial look. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really, really a beautiful place. Highly recommend that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely high on my list. I'd like to go there. And, uh, uh what, what, uh, 
period of time would this have been that you were down there doing these, these this type of photography? Uh, I'd have to check my uh, Lightroom catalogs, but I think that was maybe in 2003, 2004. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah, great. Love that. Love that show, Narcos. <laughs> That's a great one. Well, excellent. We'll put uh, links in the show notes. Uh, I have, we're actually just releasing my Rustic and Rural Romania trip for next I believe it's August 28th through July, uh, August 28th through September 10th. And that, of course, is through Jim Klein Photo Tours, but we'll pull, put links up to these, uh, in the show notes. Well, where can people find out more about you personally online, Carl? Um, my blog is, uh, probably a good place to start, carlgrobel.com. Yeah, we'll certainly put links there. And, uh, are you pretty active on the social media networks, Instagram, things like that? Um, not so much on Instagram. I'm, uh, more of a Facebook. I'll post, uh, pretty regularly to Facebook. So it's, uh, facebook.com slash Carl Grobel. Yep. There's right. not, not too many Carl Grobels in the world, so it's pretty easy to find me with a Google search. <laughs> yeah, you're one of a kind. <laughs> we'll put links into all these, uh, these places that you can follow Carl. And, and I'll tell you, if you're looking for a, an amazing photo workshop experience, Carl is your man. Uh, talk about uh, learning some great, great photography skills. So uh, check him out. But uh, thanks for being on the show, Carl. Can't uh, thank you enough. It's taken us a few times to get this thing going with uh, various problems with Internet access on my side. So I appreciate your patience and, and sticking with me. Uh, not a worry at all, Ralph. It was uh, it was fun to be on your show, and it was a delightful experience that you uh, were able to bring your folks uh, over and have a little image sharing session at the house slash studio. Uh, it was a great evening, and I hope we can uh, do that again anytime that uh, you find yourself over here with a group, or uh, if you're just hanging out like you are now down in Cap and you decide you want to get on up to Anchor Watt, uh, then uh, just look me up. I sure will. So what Carl's referring to is I was just there in Siem Reap where he lives with a group uh, about three weeks ago, I guess. And uh, he was kind enough to invite us over to his beautiful home. And we had an image sharing session there. And uh, Carl was kind enough to give us his input. I do that about mid-trip of every trip that I do, mid-trip image review. And uh, ask people to submit anywhere from five to 10 images. And then we go over them and kind of talk to people about what they're doing right, what they might've done differently, give them uh, my opinion. And Carl was there to give us his opinion. And so that was, that was wonderful. So thanks for, for doing that. And I, I, I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do a great job of that, Ralph. That's uh, I think, you know, people that come on a photography tour, they're coming to make images in an exotic location, find out about uh, a different culture, but they're also trying to improve their photography. And um, that, that that's the strength of a small group uh, photo tour like you had, you know, uh, and, and having an image review at some point during the trip, uh, hopefully before the end of the trip, because mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to look at that catalog and for you to say to them, you know, it looks like you're shooting a lot of portraits. You should maybe think about, you know, shooting some more environmental shots or whatever your mm -hmm. advice may be. And, and certainly somebody who's traveling on their own in a country outside of a photo tour, 
uh, may not be paying attention to those things. Maybe they're thinking about booking their next hotel or trying to find out where the restaurant is. They go on a photo tour. Uh, life is easy. They not only get instruction and uh, ideas from the photo tour leader and from your critiques of their images, but they're also able to interact with other tour participants mm -hmm. who have a different view of the exact same location. And maybe they're looking over the shoulder of one of their colleagues on the tour saying, wow, that's a great image. How did you get that? You know, or what were you thinking? Or that's a great angle. So I think the camaraderie uh, and the learning experience of being on a photo tour is something that uh, I find uh, is rewarding from the tour leader perspective, but enriching also for the tour participants. It's, it's something you just can't get if you um, go on a regular tour and, and try to make photographs or if you go on your own. I agree, and I think that word camaraderie just says it all because you've got uh, like-minded people that are uh, just have this common thread. They're you know they're all looking to improve their photography, uh, but yet you've got the leader there who can can help as much or as little as people like, and uh, you've got these different perspectives, and that's what the the image review does, and and why we do it mid trip so that then they can use this information that they've gotten during the review. Uh, learning from the instructor and others and uh, getting feedback from others too and then put that to use for the rest of the trip and the rest of their lives the rest of their travel lives so yep great okay well thanks again carl and uh, we will stay in touch for sure okay ralph have uh, a great one okay now get out and shoot everyone so there you have it, another great episode with another wonderful photographer, this time Carl Grobel. Took us a while to get together, make it happen, mostly because of some internet issues on my end here in Cambodia, but we finally made it happen. So uh, if you'd like to follow me online, simply go to at Ralph Velasco or at Photo Enrichment on any of these social media networks. You can find out more about the trips that I have coming up by going to photoenrichment.com. I'd mentioned the Rustic and Rural Romania trip that we just announced. That is for uh, August, September of 2018. But I've also got a couple trips to Cuba in March. I've got Morocco, Spain, Copa Canyon is in August, and then India and Vietnam. So some really great trips coming up. Be sure to look for Ugo on the social media networks. You can Google his name, but also go to his website at ucphoto.me. In the meantime, get out and shoot.